1: Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, welcome back. John, always good to talk
0: with you and good to see you. How are you doing? Jalen, I'm doing well. Um, This is the week after Easter now. I know that by the time the episode comes out, it'll have probably been a few weeks, but right now is the week right after Resurrection Sunday. And as usual for Holy Week, it was pretty busy, pretty crazy. We did not record last week. And so I feel like just now I am recovering from the busyness of Holy Week. But you know what? It was something that I really enjoyed because... You know, as I've, as you know, I've been out here for almost a year now, and we have not had a, a lot of times where I've seen large portions of the church gathered together. But we did have several outdoor services during Holy Week, and so it was really good to just worship with the church family. And our church plant met indoors for the first time in uh, over a year this past Sunday, so it was really great to worship together with the church. How about you? What have you been up to?
1: Yeah, Super exciting. Yeah, for us, uh, you know, we try to take a little bit of a break on Monday, you know, Easter Monday, just kind of relaxing a little bit and the weather in Chicago, you know, prior to today has been actually really nice. So we've been like, you know, 70s, which for Chicago in April is amazing. Uh, and so uh, we've been eating outside almost every meal, which has been super fun and uh, just enjoying the weather and yeah, it's been it's been cool just to hang out with a family and try to recover a little bit like you're saying um, but again right back into it this weekend. So uh, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to actually um, in a few weeks my sabbatical is coming up. And so I've talked with you a little bit about it and, Um, looking forward to that time of rest. And I feel like, you know, after Easter and then now, you know, these few weeks before, uh, the sabbatical starts is kind of, you know, it's, it's a weird feeling, right? Because there's, there's work to do still, but just over the horizon is that, is that break. And so, uh, I'm trying to pace myself. I'm trying to get through, you know, just these next few weeks and then, uh, really take advantage of, of some rest. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. What are you looking forward to do or to not do when your sabbatical begins?
1: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing golf. Uh, yeah, I, I have like not enjoyed golf much in the past, but I think because I hadn't, I hadn't taken time to just like just stand there and enjoy just being outside, you know, not having any other responsibilities. And, uh, so I, yeah, I'm looking forward to just golfing. So, uh, that's gonna be fun
0: so you know what they say right when uh, when you go on sabbatical or or from the Bible when the people of God took Sabbath rest they did twice the amount of gathering the day before or the year before so I don't know if, if you feel that way at all like leading up to this sabbatical sometimes it it's twice the work leading up to it but it's it's worth doing that and this this rest I'm sure is well deserved or I, it's not just that I'm sure I know is well deserved so I'm looking forward for you to to go take this break. I guess we should maybe add for our listeners that while you're on sabbatical, we will probably take a, a short break from this podcast as well. We don't know exactly when that, that rest or that break is going to happen, but we might go for a little while without recording too much so that you can fully enjoy that Sabbath rest. And then we'll be back once you're back from it. That's right. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to while we still have time to record before you're on sabbatical to to having more guests and more, uh, more content on this podcast, just really have enjoyed meeting new pastors, new ministry workers on the podcast, but even more so having the people that we have served many years with or alongside partnered with uh, on the podcast. And so today our guest is one of those people, one of the people who I have known for many years, who I'm good friends with, who I've partnered with. And our guest today is Jen Carver. Jen is currently the youth director at Wheaton Chinese Alliance Church. And yes, that is the church that I previously served at. I was the youth pastor there. And while I was the youth pastor for the decade plus that I served, Jen served as a volunteer in my ministry that whole time. So I've had the just the joy and the privilege of working alongside Jen and know just her value to the kingdom. And so now Jen has stepped into the role that I vacated and has been leading the youth group for the last, I think, almost two years now. And Jen, we're so glad to have you on the podcast. Welcome.
2: Thank you, John. That was a very gracious introduction.
0: Jen, it's good to have you here. Uh, you know, as we as we usually
1: do ask, um, can you share your ministry journey with us, your calling to ministry? And and, and add a little bit too about how it's been now that John's gone and you get to kind of do things uh, in, in the way that God has called you to do. How has that been to see John transition out, but then really to, to feel like you're you know, kind of stretching your wings in the way that God has called you to?
2: Yeah, I feel like calling wise, my calling has always been pretty straightforward. I have had a heart for youth since I was a youth. Like the moment I went off to college and found a church, I knew I wanted to be involved in youth ministry. So I feel like that's pretty much what I did. And I realize now um, that most people don't feel that way about youth. <laughs> like a lot of a lot of adults have told me that, um, you know, they find teenagers somewhat terrifying. But I feel like God has always given me a heart for teens. And so it never felt like a burden to love or care for them. But I think like when you ask about the journey of how, um, that is really not as straightforward. Um, It's very roundabout. Like like John mentioned, um, I've been involved with youth for about 18 years. So when I first went off to college, um, I got involved in a church and I started doing youth ministry. And then the next year, um, a friend invited me to uh, Wheaton Chinese Alliance and I began being involved in youth ministry there. So yeah, it's been about 18 years. And I served as a youth counselor There for many years. And I think in my heart, the plan was to just continue serving as a youth counselor. Um, I don't think that anywhere in my mind I thought that this is the place that I would be. But a a couple of years ago, um, John was planning on taking a well overdue sabbatical. And um, he had asked if I would step in and lead during the sabbatical. And my answer was yes, because I had served in the youth group for. The longest among the counselors and I was pretty familiar with how things went. So I feel like that made a lot of sense logistically, but also because I care about the spiritual lives of the youth and their growth and development with their walks with Jesus. Um, but I feel like in the process of that, that kind of all got flipped on its head at some point because uh, when we were at Life Conference, which was a, a youth conference for the Christian and Missionary Alliance that year, John felt like God was telling him that his time at WCAAC was up. And so he told me the next week after that he was planning on leaving and that he had already submitted his resignation. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So that came as quite a shock, probably because it wasn't at all what I had envisioned. Um, And then the church asked me to step in as interim, which considering our church and there and what counts as interim, like the length of interim pastors. That's usually pretty long. Like our last interim English pastor was there for seven years. So, um, it went from being something that was like six months to potentially something that I couldn't see the end of. But I think through all of that, my heart was the same. Like I love the youth and I care about their spiritual growth and development. And I felt like Jesus asked me to stay. So I've stayed, and it's, it's been a very unusual journey uh, since then, because there's like the typical transition time, which I was expecting, and then the rest of it has been COVID, um, and learning and mm. de- developing creative ways of ministry with the youth during this time.
0: Yeah, and I think we're, we're going to ask you a little bit about some of those creative things that you've done um, with the youth group during this season, but also in the, the long seasons that we serve together um, but, but before we get the, to that, I just wanted to ask this, go back to uh, just during your time as a volunteer, right? You served in, in the youth group and you served for a pretty long time. And I, I know the answer to this just because I was there with you in it. Um, but I think it would be helpful for our listeners to know what were some of the ways that helped you sustain these long seasons of ministry? in times when there was a lot going on at church and you were overwhelmed by different things, like what did you do to make sure that you didn't just say like, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I know this is going to sound hard to believe, uh, but youth actually have never been spiritually tiring for me. Uh, I remember uh, and like when he talks about like, you know, these, these busy times in, in ministry there were times, I can remember a time about 10 years ago when um, I had been doing ministry in China for a while and I came back and I thought that I was just kind of going to throw myself back into ministry in the same context that I left. But I had a really difficult time readjusting to American culture and I hadn't expected that. And I remember finding like myself really burned out um, during one point in that year and realizing that I needed to step back uh, I needed to work myself out, not just leave. Cause I don't believe like cutting off and leaving is necessarily the thing you want to do in any ministry. Um, there's, I think you should leave well, but figuring out how I was going to do that and where I was going to cut back. And oddly enough, uh, youth ministry didn't even cross my mind as something to, to give up because it, I found it to be refreshing. Like when I went and worked with the youth, I could always feel the the presence of the Holy Spirit there. So it was never, yeah, it was never draining. Like I found other ministries to be draining. But I think in terms of maybe practices or disciplines that really sustained me, I think, you know, obviously being in the word, being in consistent prayer, I think even particularly more so now being in consistent prayer for the youth and developing the practice of holding things lightly. And I think I say holding things lightly because I think it, for me, it accomplishes a few things. It helps me to focus on God. And, and um, I think it helps us to focus on God and not on ourselves. I think it also uh, keeps us from thinking of a ministry as ours and not God's. Um, and it also like, allows, at least for me, me to be humble and teachable enough um, to learn from other church leaders, from parents, and and from the youth as well.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that thought that we are to you know as ministers hold things lightly, and especially because you know God, we're called stewards, right? We are called to simply um, steward what God has 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 uh, has entrusted us with. And so I appreciate that thought. You know, you were mentioning that um, uh, the youth ministry. Is kind of life giving to you, which is awesome. It's just, it's a great sign that you're kind of in the right place, right? And and you've you've been through it for a while. Uh, but what has that transition been like from being a key volunteer to now being the youth director in the same in the same youth group?
2: Oh man, I'm going to be honest. Um, it's been hard. <laughs> I think it's been hard in the sense that it's it's worth it. Hard. I would almost say that nothing's prepared me for it, but that's, I don't think that that's actually true. I feel like God has slowly been preparing me for this for years. And I think everything from like, when I think back on the the past two years, everything from like technology that we had to use when um, like COVID came into play, um, it was something that my sister introduced me to a couple of years before. So, and I think, being in situations where God has asked me to be flexible and adapt, or thinking creatively and out of the box, and learning to extend grace, um, I think those are things that that um, definitely played into the transition from volunteer to youth director. I think I also became aware of just how much we need volunteers and other leaders, like in ministry and and how that really functions in a healthy ministry
0: yeah I you know Jen I can say this I'm saying this with a smile on my face right now but just so thankful for the years that you volunteered and not just you but the the team that that I worked with over those many years you know I, I'm curious to know now that you're sitting in the chair that I was sitting in and you look back on your your current volunteer team or you look back at your time previously as a volunteer are there some aspects of of that of being a volunteer that you see differently now now that you're in in the role that you're in
2: well there's a couple of things that i've been seeing differently i know that when i when i was a volunteer it seemed more like you know something i just i just do right but i realize the need for reliable responsible people that are really passionate about something and that are really going to take on you know, an aspect of, of the youth ministry, like leading a a Bible discussion group or um, pouring into the lives of the youth. Like I, you can't take those things for granted because we need them. And then because the youth need them in their spiritual growth and for their accountability, there are a whole lot more details (laughs) that I was unaware of, I think, before I, I transitioned into this. And I think as a volunteer, you don't necessarily have to think about them, um, which is good because it encourages people that, that want to be involved in some capacity, but don't necessarily have, you know, have all the time in the world to give um, to a ministry to be, yeah, involved and join.
0: That's awesome. So, you know, Jen, I I hinted at this earlier, but really one of the things that we want to talk with you about or ask you about on this podcast is um, just the the role that the arts have played in your own faith journey and in your uh, and in in your ministry. Now I'm able to say that because over the years that we served together, I remember so many places where I would because I am not like a person that that thinks in those rhythms or in those uh, in those areas very much. Like I've had to grow and learn in those areas, and the person that I was learning that from was from you. Like how do the arts? play a role in, in ministry and in our faith journey. Um, so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about just your experience with that and, and how God grew that heart for the arts in you.
2: Yeah, actually I was super excited when you asked me to share on this. <laughs> um, I Cause to me, the arts have always been a part of my life like a natural outpouring or expression of what's going on internally. But for my walk with God, it, it hasn't really been different because I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family that valued the arts and and encouraged them. So like painting, sculpting, music, theater, dance, like all of that was encouraged. Um, And I think of my mom also, she became a Christian and came out of a a Catholic background. But I think that, that growing up in that had really developed in her an appreciation for art and tradition and meaningful symbolism. Um, and so that was something that she would talk about with me, I think probably because she saw that I was really artistically inclined. So it, it laid a foundation, at least for how I thought of the arts um, as abilities that God has given all of us to express who he is and what he has done and is doing um, in the church and the world. But there were also a number of artists in my church growing up. And it was helpful uh, for me in my faith to look at their work and think, kind of visually picture how they were um, experiencing God and representing him uh, for the church. Like we had a number of painters. We had a couple sculptors. Um, we had a number of people that were really into dramas and created dramas. And I'm, I'm not talking like small productions. I, these were like months long people flying from the rafters kinds of productions. <laughs> um, but I think uh, the church was was pretty encouraging uh, at least for me in my my growth um, to explore those types of drama and dance and other types of art and, and flesh that out in, in in my own spiritual journey and walk with God and so it, yeah it just kind of cultivated a, a curiosity like a holy curiosity and a willingness to experiment and so while I have like my preferred go-to methods um, I like to be aware and willing to try, to try new things. And, and I feel like uh, God has definitely given me the opportunity to do that over the years.
0: Yeah. I think for me growing up, my perception of the arts, especially like in a Chinese church growing up in a, in in Chinese culture was like piano and violin. That was, that was the extent of the arts for us. And just in, um, I just loved over the years, you know, um, participating in things with our youth group that that you helped plan and to lead, where we were engaging with um, with more maybe some more drama or with painting, um, with uh, even like similar to spoken word or you know group uh, activities that really emphasize the reading of scripture in a in a more artistic way. That those are things that I I had no kind of perception or, or just no foundation for. Um, from my own past. And so I learned that from you and, and really have been able to bring that into the ministry that I'm serving in here. Even just this past week for our Good Friday service, I, you know, I took elements from stuff that you have planned over the years for our youth group and just translated to my church here. And so I'm really thankful for that, Jen, that, that you have made a lasting impact on me just in, in what you've been doing.
1: Yeah. And Jen, I wanted to ask too, you, you said you have some go-to sort of methods for, you know, kind of, you know, uh, expressing yourself through, through art. What, could you share some of those? Like what are some of your go-tos and what are some of the things that you've also been kind of exploring or experimenting with?
2: I think my favorite go-to medium is actually painting. I love to paint. And I, right now, actually I'm doing a, like a multiple piece kind of, I, I don't know how you like a paint collage of a passage in Hosea. Hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of working on that right now. And I, I enjoy painting because you can experiment with textures. The colors can be rich. And I don't know about you, but I'm a very sensory person. I think involving the senses into a worship experience kind of brings it, I, at least for me, it makes it more real, you know, more grounded, less less theoretical or loftier or, or something like that. Um, but you asked about like different, different things that we've done. So one of the things that um, that came out of the youth group, this came out like maybe the second year I was there as a youth counselor, we started something called Expressing God in the Arts, um, which is an event, like a yearly event. And um, during this event, or like in the, in the months leading up to it, uh, students are given the opportunity to create works of art, you know, either sculpture or, drawings, paintings, um, even digital art. And, um, and those will be displayed, like where people can come in and, and walk through it. We've even had like participatory art events where people, we had um, a, like a color by number a couple years ago, where people are encouraged to paint as part of it and, and fill in like a larger work together as a community. But then we also have like this other side to it that's musical in terms of like singing, playing an instrument. We've had people that do dance. We've had, like John said, spoken word. So that's one of the things, and it's kind of actually grown and developed over the years. It was a very like roughly concepted thing at at first. but yeah, I think as the church has enjoyed it and learned to embrace it more, it's it's actually grown and developed into a bigger
0: event. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned earlier that that youth event that we had for many years was, is called Expressing God in the Arts. And I still remember like early on, one of the things that I had to to wrestle with or, or really understand and then begin to teach the youth group was that when we talk about the arts, we don't just mean like painting a Bible verse or like a picture that has a cross in it, though you could do that, um, but it, it's actually the expression of creativity that we that's a reflection of the image of God, right? that because our God is a creator, that he's given us that creativity too. And so we're just expressing him through creating. And I think that was the part that I really mm-hmm. had to, mm-hmm. to understand and wrestle with more so than just like, oh, I'm going to turn this canvas into a picture. And then I'm going to paint a Bible verse in the corner, which which is fine. There, there There's value in that too, but it's not just by putting a verse on it that makes it Express God—it's—it's it's the creative process itself, and I'm really thankful for how you really have led the youth group in doing that over the years.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right, and I think it's been encouraging actually, even to see how people have brought in their own cultural, like identity influences into that creative process. Like I remember there was this one counselor that we had um, that would do you know, passages in scripture as Chinese characters, which is kind of hard to conceive of, but it was in the shape of a Chinese character and it would be an entire passage, like a chapter of scripture written out in small in the shape of it, which is just, I mean, it's just a beautiful expression.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. I think, you know, there's so much for... You know, I certainly, as as John was saying, like I, I have probably a ways to grow in this area, but I'm wondering what have you seen from other Chinese heritage churches uh, that have, have done this well? Are there other uh, Chinese churches um, who you feel have incorporated the arts into sort of their ministry or into their discipleship process? And what does that look like?
2: That's interesting. I don't know if I have seen a a ton of other churches, But I can tell you what I've seen within the Chinese Christian community. I think some of the things that I've seen where people um, have really done this well is there was a there was a man in the Cantonese congregation of our church, and he had this this idea and he is not considered like nobody would mark this person like an artist, like a quote unquote artist. Um, But he had this amazing idea to do a traditional Chinese shadow play um, and do it as the Christmas story in shadow play version. And so, and people took it up and ran with it and they created, you know, a a music score to it and wrote out, you know, scene by scene how it was going to be recruited. Actually, it was mostly youth that that acted in this, but it was interesting to me because it was very well received. And I think it was an excellent way to show the gospel. And it was, it was a beautiful incorporation of like collaborating between congregations and, um, taking something that is a traditional art, you know, that has a, you know, a well grounded presence and using it it, to express the gospel and, and to outreach for other people and, and to just be creative. And I think that's. That's something, if I wanted other people to know, is that it, art doesn't just come from like the artists or the creative types uh, in the church. Like, like John said, being creative is a byproduct of being, being created in the image of God. We naturally want to create. We naturally have these inspirations. And I think as part of the church, if we can recognize that. As, as the gift that God has created it to be. It can be really powerful in, in as a witness to the rest of the world.
0: Just for, for Jalen and maybe for our listeners, can you just explain really quick what a shadow play is?
2: Yeah, um, so a shadow play has like a, a screen in front of it. You'll have lighting from behind. And a lot of the traditional shadow plays are done with like these puppet kind of figurines that kind of act out different scenes. But in this case, our church took... Um, nativity scenes or those kinds of things and in a new kind of format we both projected from the front and from the back so you had the scenery that was projected from the front and then you had um, the shadow of the people acting behind the scene at the same time yeah that's kind of what happens and usually there's music there's traditionally music set to it so it's a non-verbal play
1: and I would imagine that'd be super powerful and uh, you know both both to you know to take part in as you know one of the actors or, you know, in, in preparing the music, as you're, you know, thinking through how to put this together in a way that accurately portrays the gospel. Um, and then also for those who are watching, certainly, uh, I would imagine that to be incredibly, you know, engaging and, and powerful. And so uh, that that sounds that sounds awesome. Uh, you know, that, that would be something that I would love to, you know, to see or to be, to be a part of. Um, but what are some, you know, what are some baby steps for churches um, that want to engage people through the arts that have never done this before? Like, what are some things that, you know, you, you said, you know, early on when you guys were starting, starting this off, there were some like roughly conceived uh, things that were thrown together. If you were to start over now, How would you do it? What what's what's some advice that you would give some churches who want to kind of jump into this uh, format? Well,
2: I I think as we're talking about Chinese heritage churches in particular, like there is this well-developed appreciation of multiple different kinds of arts within Chinese culture. But I think like what John was saying that his only experience with the arts had been piano and violin, right? And that is a stepping stone but I think you have to you have to be very intentional about you can do chamber groups you can do small ensembles you can do encouraging people to bring that into um, a worship team but I think it's important to remember and to like reiterate that this is not a performance this is worship so to make that clear delineation because the purpose of the instrument is different in one context and the other we're not you're not judging based on a performance. You are incorporating it as a, as a method of ushering people into the presence of God. So I would say if, if you're just looking for initial baby steps, doing some of those things with familiar mediums. And then I think the other thing would be, again, God gives ideas to people. And I think as, as the church, maybe being a little bit open and paying attention to those ideas. Cause I think if you have a a couple people that are interested in in an idea, maybe just get together, flesh it out, see what it might look like. If you're interested in in doing some works of art for the purpose of decorating your church, it's not just a decoration. It's not just ornamentation. It is a part of, of, visually representing, you know, something about God. And I think that is something that's very, very simple. And you can talk with, you know, the people that keep up the property at the church or it, whether it's like the deacons or leadership of the church in order to do that, you know, a couple people could do that. If it's, if it's drama, I mean, I think um, Chinese culture actually has a very rich drama heritage, if people wanted to do skits, can you make an announcement more interesting? Can you add it into a, a sermon illustration? You know, these are, these are just small steps if a, if a congregation really wanted to incorporate that in.
0: I love it, Jen. You know, that's such, such good advice. And, and really, I think, is the place that people can, a jumping off point for people. You know, and like you said, every single one of us is creative because of the image of God in us. But I think there's also people who are are very much wired to see the world in a a way that's different from from other people. And it's it's really good to to identify those folks and then give them the freedom to express what God is doing in their life and to share that with with the church and not not stifle it or force them to keep it to themselves, but to to see that as a gift to the church. And I think for me, that's been the thing that has allowed me to, to see jesus in a way that i don't think i could see for myself without the help of of a person that sees through a much more creative lens than i do and then it's drawn me into you know into a place where i could try to participate in that too for myself and discover what are the ways that god has made me creative that i don't think i naturally would have leaned into if not seeing other people do it first and so. Um, yeah, I hope that, that our, our listeners and, and churches really can grow this aspect of, of our faith and, and not let it lie dormant uh, for too long because I think we're missing out when we, when we don't see that. Just as we wrap up, Jen, you know we like to ask all of our guests this question, but what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? Um, and this can be advice either about youth ministry or about the arts or whatever you want it to be?
2: I'd like to speak to a little bit of all of it, but I think God has given you your culture, your ethnicity, your experience for a purpose. And it's not to go to church and check it at the door. He has given you these so that you can be a gift and a blessing to others. And because his purpose in reaching the world through you requires them, all of them. Um, And I think the beauty of diversity that he is manifesting in you and your life is intended as a witness to the church and to the world be that in creative gifts or in any any facet of of church life
1: that's such a great word thanks jen for reminding us of that and reminding us of god's creativity in giving us our unique you know heritage and Uh, ethnicity and background and, and all of that. And um, thank you for for sharing your, your insight. Uh, We appreciate you having another podcast today.
0: Oh,
2: thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Jen.
0: That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on, rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.